In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. It is with great joy that I am here tonight getting to preach the good news and to celebrate the resurrection with you all. Recovering from COVID has been all-consuming. And while it promises to be a lengthier process than I'd like, I delight in being able to share in this resurrection feast with you. I feel as if I have a better understanding of the concept of God breathing life into dry bones, saying, speak, live. <laughs> new ways, new understandings. I would never would have asked to learn the lesson that way, but I receive it, and I look forward to living. Now tonight, as you entered this space, you passed by a fire and you witnessed the Paschal candle being marked and being lit. The vigil service itself is magnificent. It's well worth reading through the words you've heard tonight and we've spoken together as a devotional practice sometime. Take it in chunks, but look at it. It's a theological masterpiece. Not one word is wasted, not one action insignificant. I hope you can hear the appreciation I have for a night like this. But told in a different way, this service is also like the greatest story you've ever been told while sitting around a campfire. In fact, tonight we are gathering around a sacred fire of sorts, and we are hearing the retelling of the story of salvation. Tonight, we remember our story as the people of God, and there is no better story. Our story started tonight with hearing the great Easter proclamation, the exultet, and then it dove into the work that God undertook with creation, and it worked its way through the story of God's people and their triumphs and their failures, and always, always of God's faithfulness. We went through and we renounced the devil, the spiritual forces of wickedness, the empty promises and the deadly deceits of this world and the sinful desires of our flesh before we renewed our baptismal vows together. We heard the resurrection proclaimed, bells were rung, lights were lit. We sang our Gloria, weaker perhaps than we'd like, but we sang it nonetheless. And then we heard two other passages read. A passage, Romans 6, where Paul is speaking of being baptized into death and new life in Jesus Christ. And we heard Matthew's gospel telling of the Easter story. Now, even if your mind wandered a bit here and there, you would be hard pressed to miss the main points this evening. God is faithful. We are his people. Jesus rose from the dead. Sin and death are defeated. Our hope is secure. The story of Jesus has been called the greatest story ever told, and one of my favorite poems describes it as this, the story that forms the world. And it describes, this poem describes it as being so foundational, such an essential piece of work 
that it works itself into our muscles and into our synapses and into our bones itself so that by the time we fully understand it, we cannot distinguish ourselves from the story. We are the story. So if this story is so well known, if we've heard it around three or four times already tonight, why do you need to hear it again? <laughs> why, why bother preaching on a night like this? Could I do anything more than you've already heard? No. No. But that's not the point. The point is this, is that we retell the story of Jesus. We retell the story because not only is the whole of creation wrapped up into it, but it's in that moment, it's in that retelling when we tell it that our stories become woven into the story and our lives become woven into his eternal life. We retell that story because in doing so, we understand that we're a part of it. We declare that we're a part of it. We say, this is our story. Now, it reminded me a lot of this song, this hymn this week as I was thinking through these texts and these words, the hymn is Blessed Assurance. It's a classic, it's a standby. You've probably heard it. I hope you've sung it. I won't sing it for you tonight, but know that my heart is. The last verse, as written by Fanny Crosby, perfect submission, all is at rest. I and my savior and happy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with his goodness, lost in his love, and you can hear the crescendo where it goes into, this is my story, this is my song, praising my savior all the day long. This is it, guys. This is the night. Now, when I was thinking of this, when you think of perfect submission, that's not me and that's not you, but that is him, that is Jesus. We get to say that, we get to claim that. He is the one who was perfectly submissive unto death on a cross. All is at rest because he has declared it is finished. The plan worked, the rescue has worked. Good news, life has come. Watching and waiting, yes, we are watching and waiting. Quite literally, the vigil is a wait and see kind of night. And we're doing that now. We are watching and waiting, like we have been throughout Lent. Think back to the words that we heard in the exultant. This is the night of which it is written. The night shall be as bright as the day. How holy is this night when wickedness is put to flight and sin is washed away. It restores innocence to the fallen, joy to those who mourn. It casts out pride and hatred, and it brings peace and concord. Friends, the story of Jesus' death, his resurrection, that is our story. It is a story we should cling to, and we should remember, and we should celebrate every day of our lives, because it is, because it is the reason we have life at all. For many, it's well-worn, and it's a well-worn story, but I pray that we never stop delighting in it. We need to reclaim that wonder, 
that spark of life within us that resonates with the deep truth of the good news. We need to spend some time in stillness, exercising that holy imagination we've been given and letting our ourselves get swept up into the story itself. And so, recognizing that there is nothing I can already offer or nothing I could offer you now that has not already been given, I'm gonna invite you to do that. I want you to take a moment, feel free to unroll your shoulders, move around, close your eyes if you'd like, breathe deep, but hear this story afresh, and I encourage you to use this like this is the first time. Use and stretch that holy imagination. Can you imagine what that pre-dawn walk to the tomb must have felt like for those women? Take a moment to, to imagine the feeling of the coldness on the ground, the jars of myrrh and spices clutched in their hands. Can you imagine the weight that they carry? Can you imagine the sorrow, the grief, upon approaching the tomb, preparing to address the body of the one whom they loved? Imagine they just get close, and then just as dawn is breaking, there's an earthquake. The shock of that moment, the adrenaline that had to suddenly course through their veins, maybe even leading them to clutch onto the jars of precious spices that they so carefully prepared so that they wouldn't fall and break. And just as they are fearful and trying to understand what on earth is happening, an angel appears with the appearance of lightning that rolls back the stone away from the tomb. The guards freeze in terror and the angel turns and he speaks to them and he says, do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has been raised as he said. Come, see the place where he lay, and go and tell his disciples. Can you imagine that moment of them turning on their heels, turning their backs on an empty tune, and a scene that barely makes sense to themselves, running back from where they just came, filled with fear and yet great joy? And then they see him. Jesus. Greetings, he says. The sound of his voice and the sight of him alive and well must have taken what little breath they had away. Imagine them drawing near with trembling hands and reaching out to take a hold of his feet, touching his body, but far from the lifeless form they had expected to anoint for death, his body is warm. It is soft. It is sound. Maybe the ground still felt unsteady under their feet. Maybe Jesus knew that. And that's why he gave them himself, again, something solid and steady to hold on to. Death itself had been undone. How could they not worship? Can you take in the tenderness of that moment? Can you picture them? hushed in a garden? Can you imagine them catching their breath, feeling their hearts slow down 
although their chest must have burned within them. Can you imagine them drying their eyes? And Jesus saying to them, do not be afraid. Go, tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Can you imagine? Friends, there is no story more worthy than this one. If you cannot find hope in a moment like that, where death is undone, where the worst thing that you could happen just became untrue in front of your eyes, where every hope that you thought long since dead and buried just said that death and sin no more, if you cannot find hope and joy in that moment, then you've missed it. But it's yours too. This is your story. This is my story. This is our story. This is the story. And it's the one that we have to return to again and again because it's our foundation. It's our story. It's our song. It's the trust and the faith and the knowledge that sorrow, fear, and death itself has been turned into relief, joy, and eternal life. And through it all, Jesus Christ, yesterday and today, the beginning and the end, Alpha and Omega, we are his. and He is ours. Nothing will change that. Nothing can take that away. Because he lives, we can no longer die. Yes, on this side of glory, we can, but not eternally. What joy is ours tonight? I pray that the truth of this story, the joy of this night, the frailty of our lives, the telling, and the retelling of our story would fall afresh upon us all and give us hope for all the things that are not yet right. Because there is much and there is work to do and there is work that will be done and it is good news. May the light of Christ rising in glory banish all darkness from our hearts and minds. Jesus Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. Amen.